Welcome to Real Life Christianity with Deacon John Lozano. This podcast is about real life and living it in the light of the gospel. Real things, everyday things, relationships at home and work, real issues that the world presents every day, the complexities, difficulties, joys and aspirations of being human. Deacon John is a real guy, a deacon, but also a husband, a dad, a businessman, as well as an experienced counselor, educator, and author. And Deacon John invites us to come as you are as he brings the transformative power of the gospel down from the clouds to real life, your life. we ask for the grace to be open to you, for the grace to be free of distractions, to be free of ourselves, and the grace to receive what you have for us, and to trust in your love for us this day. Amen. Amen. So there's a little story about a, a <clears throat> young kid who's always getting into trouble. Just like a fly to butter, he's always getting in trouble. He's driving his mother crazy. So she goes to the parish priest and says, Father, you got to help me with this kid. He's driving me nuts. Maybe you could get him to think about God. If he thinks about God, maybe he'll settle down. He says, okay, send him in. So the kid comes to the priest, comes upstairs to his office. The priest says, well, your mother sent you here to think about God, so son... Where is God? He goes like this. Priest says, son, where is God? The kid gets even more quiet. So finally the priest says, son, where is God? Kid gets up, runs down the stairs, out of the rectory, up the street, down the street, into his house, runs upstairs and jumps in his bed like this. His brother's in the next bed, said, how'd it go? He goes, not not good. Apparently God is missing and they think I had something to do with it. You know, it's a really, really good question. Where is God? It's kind of like why we're here, and it's kind of the fundamental question of the Bible and of Christianity. Christianity answers that question for us. Here's the gospel that we read every Easter Sunday. Every Easter, we read this. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdala came to the tomb in the morning while it was still dark, and she saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and she told them, they have taken away the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran. But the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloth there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloth there. Not with the other cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. 
Then the other disciple went in, the one who arrived first, and he saw and believed. Friends, uh, Christianity began in a graveyard. The answer to the question, where is God, began in a graveyard with dead people. Mary goes to the grave in darkness. It's the biblical way of saying she doesn't have faith. She's in the dark. How could she? Jesus just died a horrific death. And for the Jew, he was cursed by the way he died. Cursed be the one who was hung on a tree, it says in the Old Testament. So she went in a dark place. She also went probably for the same reason we go to a, a grave. We go to visit someone we love who died. We go to pay respects. We go to pray for them. We go to think about immortality, our, our mortality, our death. It's poignant, right? But the thing is, this was no ordinary grave. And so she runs away from what she encounters in terror. She has no place to put what seems to be happening. She says they've taken him away. Of course she's going to say that. What else could she imagine happened to a dead person who's not there? It was so new. It was so outside of human experience that she had no place for it. Peter and John show up. They run to the tomb that's empty. They look inside. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is this what he said? Could it be what he said? Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. It is. And it began. It all began at that moment, friends, when they recognized him, risen. When they met him, risen. Her going to tell the disciples, the disciples going forth to tell others, to give witness to what they met is the beginning of Christianity. And that changes everything. To meet him and then to pass it on is why we're here. Someone met him, passed it on. Others met him, passed it on. They met him and passed it on, and we're here. And so our job is to meet him, to meet the risen person, Jesus Christ.
and to pass it on, to give witness to other people that he's risen, that he's alive. See, Christianity only has one message, only one. He is risen. He's living. He's a living person here and now. He's with us at this moment. And friends, when you get that, it changes everything. And we get it, and we get it more, and we get it more, and it changes everything each time. It's like when people used to talk about a paradigm shift, you know, in science and stuff. A paradigm shift is when there's this breakthrough insight and it doesn't necessarily come from like logically figuring things out on a piece of paper. It's like they study it and they work on it and then they get it. They get an insight that fundamentally changes the view of the world. It's like a paradigm has changed. It's what happens to the person of faith. Once you get it, your paradigm, the way you see everything, changes in the light of the risen Jesus. And that means that we can meet him again here and now. Here and now. Let me tell you an experience I had uh, sharing this with someone. Uh, it was a few years back in uh, Villanova. I, I didn't tell you my background. I'll, I'll tell you later. But I, I worked at Villanova in campus ministry for a number of years. And I, so I had an affection for the school. And uh, they were in the NCAA playoffs. And it was getting close a couple of years ago. So I, I wanted to watch it in a big screen. So I go to a pizza place. They have a big screen, right? I'm sitting there. And I'm eating my pizza. And there's other people at the counter. And so this guy, uh, you know, uh, sits down next to me. And uh, he's a real chatty kind of guy. And he asked me what I do. So I said, well, you know, you know, I own a small business, but I also work in the church, and I'm a deacon. Now, usually I get one of two responses. Uh, one response is, yeah, that, well, that's nice. And they take out their cell phone. <laughs> well, the other response is, really? You know, I want to talk about this. And they launch into some talk about God or religion. And that happens about half the time. So this time, this guy starts off with me by saying, yeah, I was a seminary, in a seminary for a number of years. I left. I'm an atheist now, and I'm much happier. I'm like, OK. <laughs> I was a seminarian. Now he's an atheist, and he's happier. So we started chatting and uh, found out that he's member of his family and his brother died and he couldn't reconcile uh, faith with that and I understand that it's a hard question so I was talking with him about it and we worked on it a bit and then we just got on to other stuff like politics and sports and he was this very bright smart guy he was an engineer he traveled actually the country and the world I think he made a boatload of money and very successful and very bright very chatty very sharp with his mind so this goes on for probably an hour. 
But I also noticed there was something there that wasn't right. The searching in him. You know, Pascal, Blaise Pascal says, we're made with a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. And I sensed the hole in him. And I'm thinking, what do I say to him? How do I say anything? So it's getting time to go, and I just, for some reason, turned to him and said, uh, you know, I, have a, I just guess. I have, a guess. I have a hunch. I have a hunch that you've never met him. You've never met Jesus. You know, it was the first time in this conversation that he got quiet. And then I turned to him, and I don't know why I did this. I, I put my hands on his shoulders, and I looked at him. And his name was Peter. I said, Peter, his name is Jesus, and he loves you, Peter. And he wants you to know him. And he got very quiet, and then we left. Friends, today on this retreat, Jesus puts his hands on your shoulders or on your cheeks. He says, Matthew or Joe or Steve, my name is Jesus. I love you. And I want you to know me. I just want you to know me. That's all I want. That's what he wants to do in your life and in mine. To look into our eyes, to let him do that, to imagine that happening, and let him speak your name and that he loves you. The reason that we encounter Jesus, the main reason, is because he wants it. He really, really wants to encounter you and me. It's what he's most passionate about. There's a mystery to it. I don't know why some encounter him and some don't. I don't know. But I know he wants it. In fact, he's been seeking you your whole life. Uh, he's kind of been wooing you, luring you, romancing you. <laughs> Some of you said, oh, I've been coming here for all these years, or I have these people in my life I, that have faith. And I, What is that? That's the lure of God in your life. It's not some accident. You know, why was I baptized? Oh, it was a cultural happenstance? Why was I brought up with a faith? Just lucky? Was that God looking for you, seeking you, romancing you to a love relationship with him? Faith, friends, is a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Before it's anything. 
you know, he's been doing that from your birth. It says in Isaiah 49, the Lord has called me from birth from my mother's womb. From your mother's womb, he's been after you and me. You know, there was a time when you were in your mother's womb that nobody knew that you were there. You know, there was, there was conception and some fertilization and, you know, days, weeks, maybe a month or more, no one knew, mother didn't know she was pregnant. So no one knew you were there. But him, he knew that. And he loved you there. Do you ever uh, think of the cosmos? You know, you look at the stars. Closest star is 1.8 light years away, and it's 186,000 miles a light second. And there's a billion stars in our galaxy and a billion galaxies. And the Earth is 4.5 billion years old. And in all that, we are not alone. We're not insignificant. We're known and loved every moment of our existence. Your being here and me is the greatest sign of God's love and his presence that we exist. It's a blazing sign. Where is God? I, you know, where, we are here. Oh, my. But Zion said, the Lord has forgotten me. The Lord has forsaken me. But can a mother forget her infant, be without tenderness to the child of her womb? Even if she forgets, even if a mother forgets, I will never forget you. His gaze upon you is eternal. He doesn't fall asleep. He doesn't get distracted. He isn't too busy. He gazes on you and me every moment of our existence. That's why you can always pray at any moment, because he's there. To have that kind of encounter with him changes everything. And it's as simple as allowing the gaze of his love upon you. There's a story, it's actually a true story I found out about a, a while ago. It was a party over in, in Great Britain, and at the party was a very famous actor. I researched it, and he was there. And uh, also a, a very old uh, kind of holy uh, missionary priest. And so people were at this, I guess, cocktail party, and they go up to the actor and they say, we would like you to perform something for us. Come on, you know, give an oratory, oration. And he said, okay, I will if you ask that priest, that missionary, to do the same. I'll read um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd but he's got to do it too. So they go up to this priest, this missionary, and says, come on, will you do it? He's sheepish and shy. He says, I don't, I don't want to do it. 
come on, come on, come on. He says, okay. So the famous actor got up and read, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. This great oration. And at the end, people just applauded him and smiled. And then they got the kind of retired, shy missionary there who opened the book and kind of closed his eyes a little and and said, the Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I shall want. And at the end of the psalm, there was silence in the room. And there were tears showing up in people's eyes. And the great uh, British actor said, that's the difference between knowing about the shepherd and knowing the shepherd, knowing him. The missionary knew him personally in his life as his shepherd. Friends, that's meant to be our lives, to know him in that way. You know, I, I have a great affection, uh, and one of my real interests is Abraham Lincoln. He's an amazing individual. I read a lot of books about him and just think about him a lot. And I always kind of wish I had, you know, I study him, and so I get to know him in the book, and I always think, Gee, I wish I could have met the guy, you know, hear him speak, wonder what his tone of voice was like and expressions on his face. I like would have liked to have known him more. I would have taken it a step further if we'd spent time together. Imagine if I had spent time with the guy. You know, you talk, and then sometimes we wouldn't talk. We'd just be quiet together, like you are with a good friend. you just quiet. Then sometimes we'd share, and sometimes we'd share about daily things, but sometimes we'd share about our hearts, what's, what's really going on inside. I could hear him talk about his depression, Difficulties in his marriage, the grief over the death of his sons, the joys and difficulties. His, you can see his warm eyes looking at me and how non judgmental he would be. You know, I, I could think the same thing of Jesus, couldn't I? Couldn't we? We read about him in the Bible, we think about him and imagine what he's like. But what if we met him? What if we walked through our day with Jesus around here, throughout our days at work? What if we spent time alone with him? What if we shared the contents of our hearts with him? All of it. What if he communicated back to me like someone said, happens to him on retreats. That's possible. Because Jesus is alive. He's risen. And he's here. But it would be even further with Jesus. It would be like being married 
It'd be a union of love. See, friends, ultimately, God's a passionate lover of you who wants you to be a passionate lover of him. And one could put it this way, that to fall in love with God is the greatest romance, to seek him the greatest adventure, and to find him the greatest achievement. It's the greatest romance. is to be romanced by Jesus and to allow him to have you as his beloved. It's the greatest adventure to walk through life with him. It's the greatest achievement of your life and mine when all is said and done, when we die, is that we knew him and we loved him, and that goes on forever. I like uh, the way Pedro Arupe, a Jesuit, uh, superior put it this way. He says, there's nothing more practical than finding God. That is, than falling in love with God. In a quite absolute final way, what you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, who you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love. Stay in love. It will decide everything. Being in love with Jesus decides everything. Why we do what we do, why we get up and go about our day. What breaks our heart, what seizes our imagination and gives us joy. It's knowing his love and walking in that. Unfortunately, we as Catholics uh, aren't real sure about this personal encounter with the risen Jesus. And we should be the most sure. You know, friends, when we take the Eucharist, we personally receive the very person of Jesus into our life. We're meant to have a personal encounter with him. If anyone gets this, it kind of should be us. But we often aren't sure about it. We kind of go through religious motions, but we're not always connecting with the person. And it's what he wants. The Pope Francis put it this way. I invite Christians everywhere at this very moment to a renewed personal encounter with Jesus Christ, or at least an openness to this, to do it unfailingly every day. No one should think this invitation is not meant for him or her. 
since no one is excluded from the joy brought by the Lord. The Lord does not disappoint those who take the risk. Whenever we step forward to Jesus, we come to realize he's already there, waiting with open arms. The Pope lays it out. Be open. Friends, that's how I started this retreat. Just be open in your heart and mind to God. It's that simple. That's why Jesus says little children get it when we don't. Because they're just open. They jump on the lap of the person that loves them. They don't hold back. They're not hesitant. They just receive it. To do it every day. The Pope says unfailingly each day. What we love is what we attend to. It's what we spend our time with. It's what we revolve our life around. And no one should think it's not meant for him or her. A lot of us say, I'm just average Joe. Come on. I'm just going, I'm just, I'm a good person most of the time. But I'm nothing special. Friends, where is that in the Bible? Where is that? That you're nothing special. Well, this isn't for you. Read the book, read the Bible and look at the disciples. They're generally a, a bunch of losers. <laughs> they don't get it, especially in Mark's gospel. They don't get it. And they were chosen. We're chosen. And it says, the Lord does not disappoint those who take a risk. Friends, you know, eventually we just got to take a risk and fall into his arms. I came across a story. I haven't read this in years, so many years. And so it, maybe it was for somebody here. It's apparently a true story. In the 1950s, there was a, a big fire in Chicago, a Lady of Angels school. It was a working class Catholic neighborhood. Uh, it went very fast, killed a couple hundred people. Mothers came out of the homes. There's all this confusion and noise. And I think this is true. One dad was home. And he goes looking for his daughter. He sees her at a window. He yells her name. She hears him somehow above all the noise. She hears her father call her name. And so she says, Daddy, I hear you, but I can't see you. It's all this smoke. I, I hear you, but I can't see you. He says, it's okay, honey, I'm here. I'm here. Honey, I'm here. Jump. I can't, Daddy. I can't see you. And then he said, but I can see you. Jump. And she jumped, and he caught her. I can see you. Even if you can't see me, says Jesus, fall, jump into me, even when you can't see, and I'll catch you. 
That's the love of God for you and me. That's the intimacy of the experience of the risen one that you and I are meant to have, all of us, to know his embrace, particularly when we're in terror and fear, even when we can't see him. Jump. And finally, the Pope says, repent. So now it's time to say, Jesus, Lord, I've let myself be deceived. Like we all have, huh? We've all been distracted. In a thousand ways, I've shunned your love, but now I'm here to renew it. I need you. You know, uh, Teresa of Avila said something really beautiful. That's why maybe you want to go to Sacrament of Reconciliation. She says, all we need to do to begin again is to begin again. What's the big deal here? We all get uptight about about all the things we do wrong or think wrong. Teresa says, okay, all you need to do to begin again is begin again. That's it. And friends, if you're like me, we do a lot of beginning agains. St. Catherine of Siena said this about the love of God. It's one of my favorite quotes. He's trying, she's trying to meditate on this love that God is for us. And this is how she speaks of that love. Oh, fire of love. Was it not enough to gift us with creation in your image and likeness? To create us anew? to grace in your son's blood without giving us yourself as food, the whole of divine being, the whole of God? What drove you? Nothing but your charity. Mad with love you are. Mad with love you are. Was it not enough that you created creation, that you created me? Was it not enough that you gave your son's blood? Was it not enough that you gave his body in the Eucharist to us? You gave us the whole of God? What, what drove you, she says? What, what, what is this? Why do, you, why, do you, why do you keep giving? Because you're mad. You're mad in love with us. I don't know about you. When I went through Catholic school and grade school and stuff, I wasn't brought up with that image of God. Mad with love you are for you and me. You see, friends, we're hard, trained hard, to think that our survival depends on a certain skepticism. We're trained to cope by keeping our desires and expectations realistic. See, that way you don't get hurt, right? Just keep it under wraps. Keep it with a certain skepticism. Don't let it get too close. It's safer that way. But it doesn't work with him. 
It just doesn't work with him. The problem lies with God is that we desire and expect too little. We look and seek too low. We have to expand our expectations of what's possible. And I love this line, by making his generosity, not our poverty, the measure of our expectations. I'll give you that again. By making his generous love, not our poverty, the measure of our expectations. Our measure of our expectation is him, not us. It's not about us. It's not about our poverty as individuals, but about his generosity. And if you look at the cross and you meditate on it, his generosity was complete. So, I invite you to meditate on that generosity, this retreat, to ponder one who gazes upon you, puts his arms on your shoulders, and calls you by name, and says, it's Jesus, I love you, and I want you to know me. And I invite you to meditate on that story and maybe put yourself out the window in the fire and you hear a voice saying, I see you. And you can say, I don't see you. But the voice says, I see you. Jump. And meditate on that, brothers. Meditate on that in the place where you've, all right, let's be honest, where you have not jumped. We all have our places that we haven't surrendered to his love, where we hold on to, where we protect ourselves, where we keep, we got some Jesus here, but we got him over here too at arm's length. He's never satisfied. Go to that place and jump. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you that we're here this night. We thank you that we're on this retreat. We thank you that we have a time in our life to meet you in a new and more intimate and personal way. And we've heard and we know that you want this more than anything. So give us, Lord, the grace to be free of our fear and our control and just to fall into the arms of your love. Jesus, Jesus, minister to us this day and help us. Amen.
We thank you for listening and for sharing the good news with Deacon John, who asks you to come back often and support him by subscribing, by rating the site, and please share our site with others in your circle.